0: Well, if you will, if you'll turn in your Bibles to First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3. Again, let me just extend a welcome to those of you who are here with us today. Also, those of you who are watching online, thank you for being with us. Um, my name is Larry Lyon. Um, last week, I got to introduce myself. This is my family, uh, Stephanie Lyon, and then my three beautiful daughters, Anna, Abby, and Maggie. And we are members here. We joined just before all of the COVID excitement started. And so we're continuing to meet and learn everyone and that sort of thing. And we've been very thankful for the welcome that even we received um, through Zoom and other things like that. But we are glad to be able to gather together this morning. Uh, Just so you know, I I think the reason Bo called me is, A, you now know who I am, so that makes it easy. Two, I do work at uh, the seminary at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. I do serve there in a couple different capacities, so I do work alongside Pastor Jamie and Pastor Bo. And so when Bo called me yesterday, um, this being my home church, it was very easy for me to say, yes, I'd love to be back uh, in this time, but I've not studied Romans 9 this week, so there's absolutely no way I'm doing that. And they said that would be okay. So uh, you will forgive me for taking a moment to step outside of Romans 9, but here's what I do want us to do today. I want us to take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and look at the qualifications for being a pastor or an overseer. Some of your versions may say overseer or elder or bishop or whatever else. What it's getting us to is, is this is who your leadership is. This is who your pastors are. And I want to take a moment for us to take a look at this text, not necessarily asking the questions of, does uh, our next pastor meet these qualifications? That's what the committee has been doing for a very long time, is evaluating these men and these people. And now that they've settled on Chad Gilbert, we are not always asking that question anymore. But what I want us to do today is to examine these qualifications. And what does it mean for us? And I think two things, at least for us today. And so I think as we go into uh, the business session after this service, as we prepare our hearts for next week to hear Chad preach, as we prepare to vote on them uh, and for him to be our pastor and to welcome their family, that we would look at this text today with these eyes as members together. What does it mean to prepare our hearts for a new pastor to come in and how should we be praying? And I know for all of you, the committee has been praying, you've been praying, it's been a long season without senior pastoral leadership for this church, we joined in the midst of that. And so even as we came into this time together, we joined in those same prayers of praying for who our next pastor was going to be. And I know that there have been deep and long prayers. I know that, the, that there was an entire group of people committed to praying just for the search committee. So there's been a lot of prayer. So now that we've honed in on who this person is going to be, how do we pray now? how do we prepare now and so i want to offer a couple of things as we look at this text what our expectations are and what it is that we're doing and how we can get ready and so that's what i want us to do today and so we're going to look at first timothy chapter 3 and as we get ready to do that join me in prayer father thank you for the time that we have together this morning We pray that you would bless this time, that as we read and study your word, that your spirit would bring truth to us, that it would quicken our minds, that it would allow us to think well, that we would serve well, and that we would serve others, and that we would minister the hope of the gospel to those around us and to the very ends of the earth. We pray now that you would uh, give us ears to hear. Pray, Lord, that you would give me words that you would bless this time as you've promised to do in your scriptures. We ask for your blessing to be upon this time. We pray it in Christ's matchless name. Amen. First Timothy chapter three, I'm gonna read verses one through seven. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, He desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. So just by brief introduction to this letter and what uh, this letter, 1 Timothy, is a part of a group of three letters that Paul writes as personal correspondence to others. And you can tell this is written to Timothy. He writes two letters to Timothy, but this first one in particular, Um, is written in between Paul's imprisonment. So he's traveling around. He is on missionary journeys. And so he's already been in prison once. We know later on that he's going to go to prison again. He writes other letters during that time. But for 1 Timothy in particular, during these missionary journeys, Paul writes this letter. To Timothy as personal correspondence. But it's not just personal correspondence. This is the sort of letter, if you've read this before, that is to Timothy about how Timothy's about, he's supposed to go about his task and what it is that he's going to do. But not only that, it's instructions for the church. How should the church be thinking and operating? How should the church relate to its leadership and organize themselves? And what are sort of the things that we should be on guard for? And so this group of three pastoral letters, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, you'll see similar themes come up from them. So particularly 1st Timothy and Titus are very similar. We see some qualifications for the leadership come up out of those. And this qualification for leadership, this isn't a list of job duties. These are things, these are prerequisites. So before we would even consider someone as our pastor, this is the sort of man he ought to be. This is part of the work that the search committee has done. Is this the sort of man that would meet these qualifications? And so that's what we want to look at is he meets these. We wouldn't be considering him if he didn't. So now what do we do? If we were to be reading this letter uh, for the first time as written to Timothy, what would we do with this? How would we pray these things for our pastors and our leaders? And this is what we want to do. The theme of all of 1 Timothy is this, faithful ministry. It's faithful ministry. And isn't that what we want at FBNO? We want to be found faithful in the work, in the ministry that God has given to us And we want to carry those things out, whether it's in this building, whether it's in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our city, and to the very ends of the earth, we want to be found faithful. But a part of that is that we would follow our leadership that God puts over us. And so this is why we want to look at this text today. Now, let me just say this as a brief aside, as a new member, as a newer member, this church has not been without leadership. And so I want to just commend to you, your pastoral staff and your ministers, those that have served week in and week out. There have been staff transitions. There have been leadership needs that the the staff that's been here have had to step in and to take on all in the midst of COVID and everything else. And so I'll just say and commend to you that our, our staff and our pastoral leaders and our ministers, our deacons, our membership, there has been leadership present. And God has honored that and blessed that. And let's pray that he will continue to do so. A senior pastor coming in doesn't replace all of that. It just doesn't, which means that we need to continue to serve and bless one another as the scriptures have asked us to do and commanded us to do. But I do just want to take a moment to say that we would um, honor those that deserve honor. And that our staff and our pastors and our ministers and our deacons and many of you, you deserve to be commended for the work that you have done as we have prayed and longed for a pastor for over two years. And so just as a new guy around here, thank you. Thank you for that. It's been a blessing to my family. Now, I want to approach this text in two ways this morning. The first is how do we prepare our hearts? The second way is how do we pray for our next pastor? So everything that we look at today, I've got four quick points for us to take a look at from this text about what it is that our pastor is going to do and how we prepare and then how we pray in the midst of all of that. So let's take a look at verse one. Verse one, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. Pastoral ministry is a noble work. Not only is it a noble work, it is in fact work. It is in fact work. I remember uh, when I was younger, you know, sort of the old joke was that pastors work one day a week. And uh, they just kind of got up on Sunday and did some stuff, got the offering, and that was it. And if any of you know pastors, or if you pay attention, especially to the very stressful season that it is right now, really pastors work about 24 hours a day. It's... It's the amount of phone calls or counseling or ministry opportunities. Yes, there are seasons and Sunday morning is a big one, but pastors, they work a lot. They're in the people business. And if you're like me, I can be hard and I can be difficult and I can walk through very hard things and I need the pastor to help counsel me or walk me through things. And so there, it is work. I want us just to remember that. I don't think that you doubt that, but just remember that our new pastor is going to labor hard for this congregation and for this city. So let's honor him in that and bless him in that. So he will serve as an overseer, as a pastor. This, he is our leader, right? So he will lead under the authority of Christ, Our next pastor will lead under the authority of Christ. He will serve as our primary leader. He will be the one that casts vision and gets out in front of us and shows us where to go. He is our under shepherd, meaning that Jesus is our good and great shepherd. And our pastor will serve underneath that to lead us and to guide us. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse one says this. This is what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. And I think this is what our pastor is going to say to us. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ, right? We follow that sort of leadership that shows us what it's like to be like Jesus. And we follow that. We imitate him. Hebrews thirteen seven says something very similar. It says, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives as we're watching and we see his life, imitate their faith. He is our under-shepherd. He's going to show us and lead us into godliness and Christ likeness. So, what do we do? How do we prepare to welcome our next pastor? in? if this is his responsibility and what it is that he's going to be doing, what do we do? The first is this: serve the pastors and the ministers serve in this church so that they can lead well. There's a lot of us. And Lord willing, in the days ahead, there'll be more of us. It's impossible for a pastor to do every little thing in every nook and cranny of what it means to be First Baptist New Orleans. It's impossible. We need to help. We need to serve. And we need to be ready to serve when that call comes. The second thing that I would encourage you in is this, is that we make their service a joy. They make this service we want to make their service a joy. I'll just tell you, I, I have pastored in a couple different places in my ministry. Um, and this is probably one of my favorite pastoral verses. And I'm not pastoring now, so I'll read it on um, the minister's behalf. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17. This is my encouragement to you as a fellow member. As a fellow member, how do we prepare? Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The author of Hebrews is encouraging us that as we're growing in Christ likeness as we follow our leadership, We need to recognize that this is the tough part of pastoral ministry. God's watching them by watching you. They will give an account to how we do under their leadership. That's a heavy weight. That's a heavy weight. So they're going to give everything that they have to ensure that we're growing in godliness and Christ-likeness and that we would be encouraged and build up with one another. Let's do our part. Let's make that a joy. Let's make it a joy for them to lead us. So that's how we would prepare. How would we pray? How do we pray for this next season and these next set of days as we begin to welcome our next pastor in? Let's pray, first of all, that he would imitate Christ. Let's pray that our next pastor imitates Christ. Let's pray that he leads with grace and authority. That he is a strong man who loves well. And let's pray that he is our shepherd. That he leads us and guides us. And that he's easy to follow and we're easy to lead. So that's the first thing. It's a noble work. He's going to be our leader. Let's look at the next thing, which is this, is that he is to model the character we're supposed to follow. He leads under the authority of Christ and he models the character that we're to follow. Let's look at verses two through seven. There's a bunch here and we're going to bounce around just for a minute in this. It's an overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert. He might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace in the devil's trap. I mean, this is a, these, are, these are character issues. These are, does, does this man qualify because these are the characteristics that he has? He models for us godliness. He models for us what it means to be a faithful believer. Now, this isn't the entire list of what it means to be a Christian, And it's not certainly a list of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts, but what Paul is telling us is that character matters and the character of our next pastor matters. We're all familiar with the bracelet of WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, one of the ways we answer that question is what would our pastor do? We can read the Bible and see what Jesus does in so many situations, but then in other situations, we make those applications, but sometimes we just need good, visible, concrete examples. It helps us to learn, well, well, what would our pastor do? How does he conduct himself? How does he live his life? How does he walk these things out? I should do likewise. And that's an expectation we should have of our pastor. Not just that he meets these qualities, but that he sustains them and he models for us what it means to be like Jesus. So we should never be afraid to be like our pastor. We should want to be like our pastor. But notice how so many of the issues of the qualifications for a pastor is his character, his character matters. You notice that in this list, there's very few competence at task issues, right? It, we'll talk about this next. There is that statement that he's able to teach, but you notice that's not the top of the list, nor is it the end of the list. It's in the middle of them. The rest of these are character issues that first and foremost, our next pastor is godly. Our next pastor is godly. So, Just remember in Hebrews 13, 17, he has to give an account to us. I mean, to God for us, which means that he should lead us in ways that we become more and more godly. So how do we prepare? How do we prepare our hearts if this is who our pastor is going to be? The first is this, that you yourself would practice personal holiness, that you would be devoted to Christ, that you would know Him and follow Him, that you would flee from evil and that you would resist the devil, that you would belong to the Spirit like we talked about last week and walk faithfully with Christ. First and foremost, practice your own personal holiness. Would you meet these qualifications? We should try. I mean, these certainly aren't bad things. Follow the Spirit to be godly and to you yourself strive to meet these qualifications. Who knows what God might be calling you to? Even if it's just to minister to your neighbor, imagine what sort of character and meeting these sorts of things would do for our witness and our walk as a congregation. The last thing I will say is this, and this one is hard for me, and I'm sure hard for all of us, but that as our pastor leads us and calls us to godliness, how do we prepare? Learn to receive correction. Man, that's a hard one. To receive correction, that when he looks at us from this place or in our own personal lives and says, stop doing that. Be like this. That's an error. Receive correction. Prepare your heart for that. So, how do we pray? That's how we prepare. How do we pray in this season? Pray for our pastor's personal holiness. Pray that he loves Jesus more than any one of us, even his own family, that he loves Jesus above all else. Pray for his family's personal holiness. Pastoring's hard, and it's hard on families, it just is. All those moments where the pastor's with us, he's not with his family. Keep that in mind. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for the pastor's stress and the burdens that he carries, the things that he'll hear in counseling sessions and other things, and just the difficulty of facing those things and and working with those things and helping us in all of the trials and tribulations that we go through. Pray for him in his stress and the burdens. Pray for him all the time. As a former pastor, I I cannot tell you how much it means to know that your congregation is praying for you. Labor on behalf of your pastor. Labor on behalf of his family. The impact is immeasurable. It will make all the difference in the world. So we pray for our pastor. Let's pray faithfully in this time. Let's look at uh, verses two and in verse six, I want to address a couple of things that the pastor does. Not only does he lead and not only does he model, but he also teaches the word and guards the flock. If you read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus as the pastoral letters, these epistles that Paul is writing to these leaders of the churches, one of the main things that they're supposed to do is teach the word is to teach the word. So we see in verse two, right there in the middle or right towards the end of verse two, it says able to teach, able to teach. And in verse six, it says he must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. So not a new Christian and able to teach, right? Those seem like pretty straightforward qualifications for a pastoral leader. But understand that one of the things that our new pastor is going to do for us is to protect us from false teachers and bad doctrine, which means that he's got to know and to love the word of God. He's got to instruct us. He's got to motivate us to live righteously. He's got to guard us from falling in this way or in that way to not fall on slippery slopes or to build up uh, barriers and walls around things that don't need to be there. That he would teach us how to evangelize and how to love our city, how to love our world, how to preach the gospel in season and out of season. He's got a big job. And that's a part of his qualification. So how do we prepare for that? Well, I think we have to be committed to the gathering and to the preaching and teaching of the word. That means that this time each week is important to us. Because our pastor is going to teach us. He's going to instruct us in the word. And it's going to be an outpouring of his love for the word and his love for us. So let's be committed to this gather. Let's be committed to our small groups and hearing the word that so many of you teach week in and week out. Let's be committed to listening and hearing the word in all of those moments that we're given. And let's be a joy to teach. Let's be active listeners. Let's pay attention. So how do we pray? How do we pray for our pastor in this next season? Well, let's pray that he knows the word and loves the word. When I was an early Christian and beginning to get the sense that God may be directing me towards some kind of ministry, I didn't know exactly what that was. I had a mentor who um, was an old chicken farmer named Ronnie Brassfield. And uh, an amazing man who, I mean, his ministry was just to pour the word onto other people. He didn't serve in any vocational ministry setting. He was just a Sunday school teacher who took me under his wing. And I remember one time he pulled me to the side at some event and he just said, Larry, I want to let you know what I'm praying for you is that you would love the word. To this day, standing here in this moment, it gives me chill bumps that that man, my mentor would pray for me that thing. And I tell you, I guarantee you, he still prays that simple prayer that you would love the Word. Everything from that, its application and following it and reading it and knowing it, all of that would spring from that. Let's pray that our pastor knows the Word and loves the Word. Let's pray that for ourselves. Let's pray that he would grow in his own Christ-likeness as he devotes himself to the Lord. My last point this morning, we'll look in verses 4 and 5, verses 4 and 5, which always is an interesting part of this qualification. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? Which is a good question because don't pastor kids sometimes freak out and do stuff? Well, sure, sure they do. But what's the point here? Well, the first is it's a character concern, right? What kind of dad is he? What kind of father is he? We can see that. We can watch that. How do his kids respond to him? See a shepherd at home? Because if he's not a shepherd at home, I bet you he's not a very good one here. That's what Paul's telling us. But the second thing is, is that why does Paul connect his household to us in the church? It's because we're family. We're family. So what is the pastor supposed to do? Care for the family of God. He cares for the family of God. We're brothers and sisters. We're sons and daughters. We're in this together. We're not just a group of individuals that have come together and do some things at a church gathering. We're not a social club. The church is something very different. We are a part of God's family. We saw last week in Romans 8, we're co-heirs with Christ. We're different. We're a family together, and that matters. That means we, it makes a lot more sense of how we bear one another's burdens, and we do all of the one another's in the New Testament that we love and serve and care because it's our family. And if my family calls me, I don't second guess. I I serve them. I forgive them. I bless them. This all makes a lot more sense if we think about our household. At least the way our houses are supposed to be. So Paul connects this and says, this is the family of God. His family at home, our family here. How's he shepherding? So how do we prepare for that? Well, how are we doing in our families? How are we doing in this family? Are we committed to it? If there's disagreement, are we seeking to resolve it and to find answers on the other side of it? Are we seeking forgiveness and loving one another and giving of ourselves? For a lot of us, yes. Yes. But let this be a challenge to us to honor one another, to prepare that a pastor would lead us in this sort of way. That we would love one another as a family. That we would show concern for one another. How do we pray then? How do we pray for our pastor? Well, let's pray that we would care for his family well. That we would not be the cause of dissension and frustration and fighting in his own family, that we would serve them, and love them, and guard them, and protect them, and we would pray earnestly for them. And let's pray that they would care for us very well, like their own brothers and sisters, like his own children, that he would lead us in those ways. Let me just make a couple points of application for us. I've given us several ones with prepare and pray. And so I'm just going to re walk through those very quickly. So, how do we prepare to receive our new pastor? How do we prepare to hear his words next week? How do we prepare in this? I'll just walk through these quickly. Prepare your heart to serve, be ready to go, be ready to take on the vision and the task that he puts before us. Be a joy to lead be a blessing. And that's that's hard for all of us in some capacity but let's be a joy to lead. Let's submit to the scriptures and to our pastor. As he leads us, as he leads us from this. Let's fight for our own personal holiness. Let us be holy. Let us not be filled with strife and conflict. Read your bibles. That was one of your application points next week. If you know me long enough, this is always one of my application points. I cannot commend to you enough. Um, My friends uh, that I've pastored with, and otherwise, they'll get a chuckle out of this if they ever hear of it. Read your Bibles. So when the pastor preaches, it's not just something you're hearing, but that you can resonate with and you know in your own heart and soul that this is what God's calling us to. So read your Bibles. The last way we can prepare is care for our faith family. Love one another well. So how do we pray for our new pastor? How do we pray? We pray that he would love Christ and imitate him in everything that he does. Be diligent to pray for him in those ways. Pray that he would lead well with humility and authority. He would be strong. Pray for his personal holiness. Pray for his devotion time. That he would love the word. Pray that He would love the Word deeply and that He would protect us well. Pray for His family. Pray that we would be a blessing to them and an encouragement to them. And lastly, continue to pray for our staff and our pastors and our ministers. Continue to pray for them as they come together as a team. What the days ahead holds. Let me set up our invitation in this way. There's two things that I want us to do today in our invitation. The first is this. If you're a member or a regular attender of First Baptist New Orleans, whether you're at home or here with us in the room, here's what I want you to do during our invitation today. Pray these things. Pray for our next pastor. Pray for the Gilbert family. Prepare your own heart to receive our pastor and what it is that he's going to do and that we would follow him well. So if you're a member, a regular attender, you're a participant in the life of First Baptist New Orleans, pray that way. Pray that way during our time of invitation this morning. The second part of the invitation is this. If you're not a Christian and you think everything I just said is super strange and weird, it is that we would we would honor and submit to someone in this way, someone who would lead us and care for us. Well, as I said, the family of God is just different. It is just, it's a different kind of family. And we're all weird in it, and that's okay. And our pastor is going to lead all of us. So if you're not a Christian, let me offer you this. Why is our family weird? And what does it take to get into this family? Well, first it's this, that God loves us. And he wants us to be with him. But each one of us, me, you, all of us, we've sinned. And we've fallen short of the glory of God. And the book of Romans, if we've learned, has told us that the wages of that sin is death. It's separation from God forever. But that he didn't leave it that way. He longed to reconcile us back to himself. And in doing so, he sent his own son to be the one who would live a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice so that he could bear our sin and our shame. And he did just that by dying on the cross for each one of us. But he didn't stay dead when he, when he was buried. Instead, he was raised from the dead on the third day to show that God had power over sin and death and that you and I now have hope and assurance of our own eternal life to come. So what does it take to be in the family of God to believe that? To believe those things, that Christ died for us and rose again, that we would live and that God would welcome us home forever. If you've never believed that or trusted in Christ, let me invite you to do that today. That when I pray in just a moment, we'll have an opportunity to respond. Those of you who just want to pray in your seats, that's fine. If you have questions about what it means to be a Christian, we'll be glad to talk about that with you. But just know that for all of us, Christians, non-Christians, God wants to welcome us home. Our belief and repentance is what he asks for. Let's give that to him today. So pray with me. Father, we thank you that you love us and that you made the world to be a certain way. And a part of that is that you've given us the church, that you've given us pastors who would love us and to lead us. God, we pray that you would be preparing our hearts now to welcome a new pastor. Pray that you would be equipping him for every good work, that he would love this congregation and that we would love him. We pray that we would be faithful to pray and to bless him and his family. God, that ourselves would be fighting for personal holiness and that we would model what it means to be the family of God very, very well. God, I pray for those that may not know you, that even now you would be working in their hearts, that they would join us as a family, sons and daughters of God, and that you would welcome them home. Pray that you would give them clarity to make that decision now. God, we love you. Prepare us, help us to pray, and in all of this, we pray that we would submit to Christ Jesus above all else. We love him and we love you. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.